Chapter 13, family from Jesus' perspective. As we have been looking at throughout this entire book, many of the ways we tend to see things can be opposite to the way God sees things. This chapter will be no different when it comes to seeing family through the lens of Christ. If there is one promise that many followers love to declare over our lives, is that we have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.16. What a phenomenal promise to all those who are in Christ. But there is something we must be aware of in relation to this truth. It is one thing to have the mind of Christ, but another thing entirely to be operating and living from it. So here are my questions. Are we living from the mind of Christ when it comes to family? Do we live the same way Christ did when it comes to family? Does our thinking on this matter align with his? Do our words and actions align with his when it comes to family? Have we ever asked ourselves what is God looking for on the earth? Is he looking for a family or an organization run like a business? Unfortunately, many church communities today operate under a business organizational model as opposed to being a spiritual family that loves as Christ loves. As we looked at in chapter 1, what we think, we believe, and what we believe, we speak, and what we speak, we will live out. And what we live out is the true position we hold and demonstrate. The demonstration of our lives is reflective of the true mindset we carry and are operating from. If we are all to be completely honest, how would we answer the questions above? Jesus was the master to asking questions that would reveal people's true states, and he didn't hold back on asking these types of questions to anyone. He asked these types of questions to those who were close to him relationally, and he asked those questions to those who weren't close to him at all. Jesus never held back in confronting the real issues and the true state of man's heart, and we shouldn't either, because to hold back is to truly do all people, no matter whom they are, an incredible disservice. It doesn't matter how hard the questions are or how confronting and painful they are, we must be a people who are prepared to ask these questions of ourselves, because to not confront the tough questions puts the resurrected life that Christ wants to bring us into in jeopardy. Jesus defines family by the doing of the Father's will. So how does Jesus define who his family is? Does Jesus define family by natural bloodlines like we do? Does Jesus define his family by physical relationship? Or does he define family by something far greater than bloodline and physical relationships? To discover the answer, let's have a look at Matthew 12, 46-50. While he was still speaking to the crowds, behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. Someone said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking to speak to you. But Jesus answered the one who was telling him and said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my mother and sister and brother. Jesus defines his family by those who do the will of his Father. Jesus doesn't define who his mother, his brothers or sisters are by the natural measure or standard as most of us do, but by a spiritual measure or standard. Luke 8, 19 to 21. And his mother and brother came to him, and they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. And it was reported to him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. But he answered and said to them, 
My mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. Yes, Mary was his natural mother and Joseph was his adopted natural father. James, Joseph, Simon and Judas were his natural brothers. But this isn't the standard that Jesus uses to determine who his family is. Luke 11, 27 to 28. While Jesus was saying these things, one of the women in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But he said, On the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Jesus lived his life to a much higher order than the physical, the natural, and as followers and as sons of the Father, we too are to live to this higher order and be the demonstration of this wisdom just like Christ. Have we all arrived at the position that Christ holds to and lives his life from in relation to family because we are living from having the mind of Christ? Are we demonstrating this wisdom in our lives or are we still entangled in our own thinking and priorities when it comes to understanding family? Natural family or spiritual family? The entanglement of natural family in our hearts will have our priorities, what we value and what we live for all distorted. We will find ourselves valuing our natural family over God and the accomplishment of his will. We will find ourselves valuing the building up of our natural family over the building up and being part of a spiritual family or body whose purpose is to accomplish the will of the Father. Our natural family will come first in our lives as opposed to seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness and then leading our natural family into this reality. We will be empire builders of our own lives as opposed to allowing the kingdom to be built within us. The choices, the decisions, the priorities we make, where we spend our time and our resources will be determined through this lens of physical family. Anything that requires us to sacrifice our physical family's wants or needs and put them secondary to his will will be brushed aside and not even contemplated by us. If Jesus lived like this, he wouldn't have been able to do the will of his father. Even Jesus' own natural family thought he had lost his senses and were really struggling to understand who he was and the life he was living. Mark three twenty one. When his own people heard of this, they went out to take custody of him, for they were saying he has lost his senses. His brother James did not at first believe in Jesus and even challenged him and misunderstood his mission. This is one of the reasons why Jesus tells us that if we love our father, mother, child, wife, husband, our own lives, etc., more than him, then we are not worthy of him. Jesus knows if this is the case, then the life he has for us will be in jeopardy because we will not be prepared to make the decisions we need to make to see his will being done over our own. God gives us these scriptures of Matthew and Luke as a measuring stick so we are able to compare our lives by his standard of measure when it comes to who we are and who we have to be at the epicenter of our own hearts. Matthew 10, 34-39 Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. 
Luke 14, 25, 27. Now large crowds were going along with him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. As I have already mentioned, Jesus knows the cost involved in following him. He knows if we love other people, no matter who they are, and things more than him, this will affect our ability to follow him and accomplish his will for us as his church. Jesus demonstrates how we are to be. Jesus finds himself in an interesting dilemma in Luke 2, where at the age of 12, he makes the decision to stay behind in Jerusalem after the feast of Passover, instead of going back with his parents. Mary and Joseph are completely unaware of the decision he has made and think he is traveling with them in the caravan. When they discover he is not with them, they return to Jerusalem looking for him. It is three days from the time they realize he is not there until they find him. They find him in the temple, sitting amongst the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. It says that all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and answers. In verse 48, we see Mary asking Jesus, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. You can almost hear the disdain in Mary's voice at the behavior of Jesus, as if he has done something incredibly disobedient. And I guess if you are living out of the natural or the flesh, you could understand her position. They have been anxious and worried about him like any good parent would be. But Jesus' response is quite a defining statement. Jesus asked, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? The question that Jesus asks his parents and the statement he makes may appear to his parents and to you and me as quite a foreign thing to say. It may seem left field to us, in fact, completely out of the ballpark. We may be in complete confusion and left in utter amazement that he would even say this. But to him, everything makes perfect sense because of the lens in which he is seeing and living his life through. There is no contradiction in terms or anything said out of context. And we can see this by Jesus' response. Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? Jesus is saying, I am right where I'm supposed to be. I am in my father's house. Who is Jesus defining his father to be? Is it Joseph or is it God? He says, I had to be in my father's house. Jesus then asks Mary and Joseph, why they were even looking for him and did not know that he had to be in his father's house. I can imagine Jesus saying to himself, how come they did not know where I was to be? How come they didn't know to come here first? Do they not understand the purpose for my life and what I have come to model for all of my followers so they will follow my example and live from my wisdom? In this particular incident, no, they didn't understand what he was saying and demonstrating and verse 50 teaches us this. Verse 50, but they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. Joseph's and Mary's mindset exposed. Right here, we can see the disconnect between Christ's way being demonstrated for all to see and his physical parents' mindsets. They are not operating from the mind of Christ here, but the mind of the flesh or self, and their hearts were revealed for what was in them. This is the prophetic word that Simeon spoke to Luke, to 35 to Mary and Joseph in relation to Jesus as a young baby. 
He told them that this boy would challenge and reveal what lies in the hearts of many, including their own hearts. Luke 2, 34-35. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul. To the end, that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. Mary's and Joseph's hearts were being exposed for what was in them. They didn't understand the words of Christ because their minds were not yet renewed to God's ways. Their language defined their true heart and mind position when it came to their position on the situation. I want us to think about this. If we have received the spirit of sonship through God adopting us into his family, then Jesus becomes the perfect model of who a son is and how a son of God is to live. This life is the perfect demonstration for us to imitate and become like in all areas, to which family is no exception. Physical family can be an idol. To not be living from the mind of Christ when it comes to family will have us prioritizing the will of our physical family over the will of our Heavenly Father. This in turn will have us setting our physical family up as an idol in our lives, which of course is idolatry, which the Bible speaks profoundly about. As I have already mentioned, we will put our physical family's wants and needs ahead of God and His purposes. Our family becomes our first place priority, and we may not even realize we are doing this. We give our heart to the one we love the most. Matthew 6.21 says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. In other words, what you love the most, you value the most, and what you love and value the most will have your heart, adoration, and affection. You will be devoted to this person or object. We end up giving our hearts to our wife, our husband, our children, our mother or father. We will give our heart to an adoring grandparent or auntie or uncle or cousin and not to the very person we have been commanded to give our heart to. Anyone or anything that is at the epicenter of our hearts and holds the highest place in our heart other than God is an idol in our lives. And anyone who commits idolatry will not enter the kingdom of God. Galatians 5, 19-21 Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not enter the kingdom of God. The brethren are all those who are accomplishing the will of their father and not the will of their natural family bloodline. We say things like blood is thicker than water, and so it is, but the spirit is thicker than blood. Jesus was of the order of Melchizedek, and this was an order that was without father or mother. This order was without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God. Hebrews 7.3 without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, he remains a priest perpetually. If we are in Christ, then we too are of the same priestly order. Although we have all come into this world through a physical line and order, we are to live our lives according to the order of the Spirit. My role as a natural father is to lead my wife and my children to the Father, So we are all empowered by him to accomplish his will, and in so doing become the true representation of God's family in demonstration and action. 
I am not to leave my wife and my children to myself and have them entrust themselves to me. I am to lead them to Jesus so their lives are entrusted to him. As a leader of God's people, this is the exact same responsibility I carry in how I am to lead God's people. 